Okay, well, good evening. It's so glad to see you. I, I want to just, I just want to give a shout out to how many bros are in the house. How many guys are here at RUF tonight? I, just, I see you. I respect you. I love it. The ladies. I love it. I love everybody. I just want to say that. I hang out with girls all the time. I have, I have four daughters. It's just nice to see some guys. You know what I mean? Um, I, I am really glad that you guys are here and uh, really, really thankful to continue the conversation that we are having this semester about, about community. Uh, about, about what it means to be a part of the people of God. Uh, RUF calls itself a community. We say we're a community on the campus of WNL that is uh, committed to experiencing the love of God for us in Christ uh, and responding to that by loving Him, by loving each other, by loving this campus. That's what we want to be about. That's what we're trying to do here in RUF. And we are talking about what it looks like to be a part of community. If you were here last week, uh, my good friend Danny Heinemann spoke and he talked about uh, what it means that our community is held together by the presence of Jesus, which indwells us as a people. And, and, and tonight we're talking about how the, the people of God is a community of hope. We're talking about hope. And I, and I don't know what you think of when you, when you hear the word hope. I don't, maybe, maybe you think like, I really hope I get the grade I want. I really hope I get this Christmas gift. My family, my parents... Don't listen to this. Are already talking about Christmas lists, which is freaking me out. Um, maybe you think, when you think of hope, you think of sort of a, a general feeling of hopefulness, like I'm sort of feeling good. I'm sort of feeling encouraged. I'm feeling hopeful. Maybe the world's uh, a, a good place. Uh, according to, to Psalm 121, and this is sort of the spoiler of this is what I'm going to talk about tonight. We need help. We need help. And the thing we hope in is the place we are looking for the help that we need. That's what we're talking about tonight, okay? So we're in Psalm 121. Uh, it's printed on the back of your handout. It'd be great for you to look along with this. Also, if you have your Bible, Psalm 121 is about in the middle of the Bible. But please read along with me from God's Word. If the wind in my microphone gets too distracting, just tell me. Ben, you're in church. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Let me pray and we'll jump in. Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm thankful for this night. I'm thankful for uh, these students being here in spite of this chilly breeze. Uh, I pray that as we uh, snuggle in and try to stay warm, that you would uh, be at work. Your Holy Spirit be at work right now through your word in us that we might know you more and love you and love one another. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, over reading days, my family had a chance to fly to California. We got to go to the, the RUF fall retreat for RUF at Stanford University, not Samford in Alabama, Stanford in Palo Alto outside of San Francisco. And um, I, I, have, I have four young kids, and uh, you know, flying as a family... Is, is a pretty, in, pretty ridiculous thing. 
And I don't know if you ever thought about this. I think that, I think that flying is pretty ridiculous. We had, we had to get up at 4 in the morning and pack up the car, drive to Roanoke, get all my kids with their roller suitcases uh, into the airport, check in through security to the gate. You get on the plane. You go to Chicago. You have, we have this crazy delay. There was a medical emergency on our second flight. So, like, the plane went out. They said there was a medical emergency. The plane came back. Paramedics came on. Someone got off. Then uh, we needed more gas because we had used up too much fuel driving 800 feet. Uh, but the good news was that we were able to take a, according to the captain, a shortcut. <laughs> this isn't a part of my sermon. I just don't know what that means. We took a shortcut from Chicago to San Francisco. I thought that flying was the shortcut. Um, but I think, that the, I think that the most ridiculous part of flying is the safety demonstration video. I don't know when the last time you flew was. Safety demonstration videos have sort of uh, taken the next step in the evolution of airline safety videos. It used to be that you just had the, you know, one of the flight attendants would be on the microphone telling you things while someone else showed you a seatbelt. But we've, we've advanced as a people since then. And so what you've got is the video comes on, and we're on a pretty new plane, so everyone's got their own little screen. And there's this captain, and he's standing like in the middle of Carnival in Buenos Aires. And there's like fireworks and dancing and people with like feathers in their hair. And he's uh, welcoming you and telling you to please obey all of the flight attendant instructions and lighted placards. Okay? And then it cuts to this, uh, to this other to this flight attendant. Just, just pay attention to me. Uh, this other flight attendant, she's demonstrating the uh, seatbelt. She is on a float in the parade in Carnival in Buenos Aires. And she is telling you that it is very important to keep your seatbelt buckled at all times, okay? And, and then it cuts to, uh, to, a, to an actual airplane. And so we're, we're on the airplane now, and, and another flight attendant is, is talking about locating the nearest exit, not just the nearest exit, but making sure you're aware of the nearest two exits. And then lets you know that in the case of having to use the emergency exits, that the slides turn into life rafts which is pretty good news. And then comes the part, now there's a flight attendant in the snow with the northern lights, like the aurora borealis behind them. And this flight attendant is telling us about those seated in exit rows and the instructions that they have for them. And the good news that in case of an emergency, tiny lights will illuminate your way to an exit that you've already found one of. So that's good news, I think. And then the next, uh, there's a flight attendant in like a, uh, like a beer garden in Germany with like a polka band and people in Lederhosen, you know what I'm talking about? And, and this flight attendant um, tells you that if necessary, oxygen masks will drop from the ceiling. Okay, and there's a whole spiel, the bag will not fully inflate, do your mask then help those in need, right? Uh, next, this is the best part. Uh, a flight attendant is now at the end of the New York City Marathon. So people are cheering and there's like popsicles and runners are really happy. They don't look like they've worked very hard. And um, she tells you that should you need it, you will find a life jacket under your seat. And the life jacket is equipped with a water-activated flashlight. Isn't that? And they're so happy about this. And here's why I think this is ridiculous, okay? Here's what's happening. You've got these really beautiful people with big smiles and upbeat personalities telling you what to do in the case of a catastrophic emergency. Okay, let me just spell, and if you're afraid of flying and you're about to fly, I apologize, okay? Our flights were safe, it was fine, except for the medical emergency and the shortcut and the extra gas we needed, but it was totally fine. If, uh, 
If the cabin depressurizes, it's because of one of two things. Either the engines have stopped working or there's a hole in the airplane. Okay? Those are pretty bad situations. Uh, if you need the life jacket, you're not smiling with the polka band in the background, okay? If you need the life jacket or if you need the slide to turn into a life draft, you're in a very serious situation, okay? The reason I think this is ridiculous is because they're giving you information, which they're like required by the Congress of the United States to give you. They're giving you information about what to do in these situations that ultimately are completely helpless situations, okay? And, and if you're sitting there and you're actually contemplating the scenarios that they're telling you about, and you think about how there's a water-activated light on your life jacket, you're not thinking like, oh, if the plane crashes into the ocean, that will help, because I'll have a water-activated light. I won't even have to flick it on. Isn't that going to save me some time? Okay, here's my point. One of the, one of the things that I, um, that I love about the Bible is that it is honest about how much of life feels helpless. I think that Christianity does this better than any other religion, any other uh, philosophy or worldview, that it is honest about the fact that the world is a broken place and that you and I and everyone are constantly in situations relationally, emotionally, uh, in, in, in our life trajectory that we don't know what to do and we need help. And I'm glad that the Bible is, is, is honest about this because the Bible doesn't give you a, a set of procedures to do. It doesn't give you some lighted placards and flight attendant instructions. It actually points you to the one place that will actually give you help when life is helpless. And that place is God. So what, all, all we're going to do tonight is, is I'm going I'm to talk about this. Uh, the, the first thing I'm, I'm going to talk about is that we need help. And then the second thing I'm going to talk about is that we can have hope because the Lord is our keeper, okay? We need help, but we can have hope as a community, as the people of God, because the Lord is our keeper. You with me? Okay, so first, we need help. This is, uh, this is what is happening in Psalm 121. You've got a, uh, just as a reminder, we talked about this uh, earlier in the semester, but the, the Psalms are the, uh, the songbook of the people of God. They're sort of the community hymn book of the people of Israel, okay? So any, any psalm you read, you're already kind of in a community mode, okay? And Psalm 121 is a psalm that is written from a position of panic and fear and need. That's what's going on. Panic, fear, and need. You ever feel like that? You ever feel overwhelmed? You ever feel stressed out? You ever feel worn out, exhausted at the end of your rope? Okay, here's what Psalm 21 starts with. Thank you for whoever's phone this is that's covering my Bible pages from blowing away. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Um, lifting your eyes up to the hills. I, I don't know exactly what that means. I, it, there there so, seems to be an element there where it's sort of like, um, I need a place to hide, and I'm looking up somewhere in the hills for a place to hide because I'm in trouble. It could mean something like that. Or it could mean uh, I'm, I'm on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, which seems to be kind of the setting here. And uh, I'm looking up to the hills because the marauders and the thieves, they hide up in the hills. And when they see people going, they come down and they pillage and they steal and they kill. Or, or it could mean like I'm looking around for help and I, even when I lift my eyes up to the hills, I don't see anything that can help me. Okay? Do, you, do you feel what's going on here? This isn't like a happy, oh, aren't the hills so beautiful? The hills are scary. 
The hills are a source of danger. This is, this is a position of panic and fear and, and need. And so I, I want to ask you tonight, where in your life are you experiencing panic and fear and need? Where in your life do you feel uneasy and uncomfortable? Where in your life are you not sure how things are going to go next and it's freaking you out? In what relationships are you experiencing dynamics that you don't know how to handle and they're making you afraid? They're hurting you. You don't know what to do. There's there's all kinds of things in our lives that make us feel lonely and discouraged, that make us feel depressed and anxious. Where do you feel that this week? I want you to think about it for a second. And, Jack, I'm not talking about just how's the Braves going to do tonight. What's the score? Score check? 2-0 Braves. 2-0 awesome. Braves. Okay. <laughs> That's for you, Jack. We, we, we all have these things. And I, and I think the question of of Psalm 21 is where are you looking for help in these situations? In the things in your life that feel helpless, where are you looking for for help? Where are you hoping? What are you hoping in? Who are you hoping? And um, we, we look for help in things like the arms of a lover just for the night. We look for help in things like the, the escape of alcohol. We look for help in things like compensating for what's not in control by controlling our body, or our grades. We look for help uh, in the validation that comes from a, a summer internship or a summer job. We look, for, uh, we look for help in spiritual vanity, that feeling of like, well, I, you know, I do all these good religious things. I show up to RUF. I go to church. I read my Bible. I'm better than everyone else out there. Even that is a cope. It's looking for help. It's the, it's the fake smile we give when we're hurting deep down and telling everybody, I'm fine, everything's great, how are you? Thanks for asking. Isn't everyone at WNL so nice? One of the things that the Christian community does is it admits its helplessness. This is, this is a really important thing because it can feel like the Christian community is supposed to only proclaim its victory and how great it is, and how pure it is, and how awesome it is. But one of the things that we do, one of the things, of course, I haven't even mentioned that makes us feel most helpless is the sins that we struggle with that we can't stop struggling with. The things that we do again and again and again, whether in secret or not. And the community of God is one that is is proclaiming, yes, that's true, we actually need help. We have things in our lives that we cannot figure out and that we cannot fix. We need help. But there's really good news for people who need help in Psalm 121. Because you can have hope in your helplessness because God is your keeper. Uh, if, you, if you look back at these verses, the word keep or keeper is, uh, occurs like six times in these eight little verses. And, and I've, I've been trying to think and reflect on what this word uh, keep means. And, um, and, and the claim of this is that there is one out there. This is verse 3 says, he who keeps you, there is someone who keeps us. The community of God can be hopeful because it is a kept community. And there's sort of an on-the-surface uh, definition of this word keep. 
uh, sort of like to be preserved, to be kept safe. Then there's this uh, kind of gardener sense to this word kept, like the way that a gardener keeps his garden. He tends it, he cultivates it, he nurtures it. And then you've got this, this other uh, sense that's like the way that a shepherd, uh, think, think of uh, the shepherds the night the angels appeared to announce the birth of Jesus. They're keeping watch over their flocks by night. You remember that? The way, the way that a shepherd keeps his flock, he's, his eyes are on them. He's attentive to them. His heart is for their good, and so he will protect them. That's what God is for us. And, and I want you to try to think, and this is a little bit of a broken analogy for a second, but I want you to think about the way that a mother cares for a baby. Uh, whenever you, whenever you use uh, parents for analogies to what God is like, we have, to be, we have to be careful and we have to be honest that some of us have broken relationships with our parents. Some of us have been hurt deeply from our parents. If that's your story, then I'm, I'm very sorry for that. But I want you to try to imagine in a perfect world the way that a mother cares for her baby the way her eyes are when she looks at it, the tenderness of which she holds it, the way she feeds it and clothes it and cleans it and protects it and wards off things that might be a danger to it. That is God's heart for you and me. That is God's heart for his people. He keeps us. And the rest of Psalm 121 is, is an exposition of, of these different ways that God keeps us. Verse 3 says, he will not let your foot be moved. Uh, foot be moved. Think, uh, think slipping. Think slipping into sin and temptation. God watches you and keeps you as you struggle with sin and temptation. Now, this doesn't mean that if you, uh, if you believe in God, you won't struggle with sin and temptation. You will, but it won't crush you. It won't destroy you. Uh, another way to say it, we, we sang this song, or we sung this song before. Uh, Our sins are many, but his mercy is more. That's another way you could say it. He's not going to let your slipping into sin uh, destroy you. He always forgives you. He always draws near to you, no matter how dirty or foul you feel. Verses 3 and 4 says, He who keeps you does not slumber or sleep. I think this is one of the coolest aspects of God in terms of what is different between us and Him. Uh, do you feel exhausted yet this semester? Do you feel worn thin? Do you feel at the end of yourself? Do you feel out of energy? I do. God doesn't, ever. He never gets tired of keeping watch over us. He never keeps, get, gets tired of loving us. He never gets tired of forgiving us. He never needs a break from us. His love, his attention, his care is boundless and endless. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. He doesn't have to take a rest. I love that. Uh, verse 5, he is your shade when the sun comes. Again, I, I think about that sense of like needing a break and needing refreshment. Needing to get out of the craziness of the sun, of, the, of life, of the trials, of the work. God is our refuge. He's our safe place. He's where real rest is found. It's actually not in a nap. That's why when you nap, when you're exhausted and you wake up, you're not more productive at your homework, right? Real rest comes from God. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from evil. I mean, what a beautiful thing to say. As people who encounter in our own hearts uh, sin and evil, as people who encounter in the world around us brokenness and injustice and hurt and pain, God says, I will keep you 
I will attend to you. I will nurture you. I will be with you. And then the the best part is at the end, verse 8, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. It's basically saying like all the time. In every moment, in every detail, in every aspect of your life, your God will be with you. He will be watching you. That's what it means that the Lord keeps you. We're, we're going we're gonna to sing about this later. I, I will cry then. Uh, if any of you guys were at our senior night last year, you may remember that our seniors all sang this song over us in a blessing. That uh, was really beautiful. That's, that's what I'm telling you every, at, at the end of every night when I say the Lord bless you and keep you. His eyes are on you with love and compassion and mercy all the time. So even though you feel helpless, you can have hope. Because there is one who keeps you, and he is strong. And he is good. And he is forgiving. He is gentle. He is patient. He is compassionate. He is strong. One of the, one of the things I feel like it's, it's important to note in this is that uh, this isn't a prosperity gospel, meaning that the, the comfort for you in your helplessness is not that if you, if you believe in God or that if you do enough religious stuff, then you won't be tired anymore or that you won't struggle with sin and temptation anymore, or that, you, or that you won't need a break, or that you won't ever face evil. You will. Jesus says, in this world you will have trials, but I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome evil. Jesus has overcome sin and death in his death on the cross and in his resurrection from the dead. The reason you can have hope is because Jesus died and rose again. And he keeps you and he's with you. That's, that's the good news of the, of the gospel is that Jesus has taken helplessness onto himself. He's taken our need onto himself. He's taken our pain onto himself. He's taken our sin onto himself. He's taken it all. And it's died in him and it's been conquered in his resurrection. That's why it doesn't crush you anymore. That's why your sin can't crush you. Because Jesus was crushed. I have another plane thing here, okay? It's different now. But I remember watching the, um, the uh, Christopher Reeves Superman movies when I was a little kid. Uh, these, these are the Superman movies that came out like in the late 70s and, and early 80s. And um, there'd, be these, there'd be these scenes where there would be people on an airplane and uh, there's an emergency and it could have just been an accident or it could have been bad guys. And the plane starts to go down. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the plane kind of like levels out, and some woman looks out the window and sees this guy with the, with the blue tights and the red cape and goes, It's Superman! And everyone like claps and cheers, and he's just got his hands on the wing, and he's like, Howdy, folks! You know? And uh, he just sort of like settles the plane down because he's watching, because he's there, because he's strong. One of the things that Christian community does, one of the, things that, one of the reasons we need each other is because you're going to be in situations where you feel like you're going down. And your temptation is going to be to like reach for the seatbelt or to reach for the life jacket or to reach for the oxygen. You're going to find some way to cope with, to solve, to fix, to ignore, to numb yourself from the problems, from the helplessness in your life. And we need each other to say, look, there is a hero there was a rescuer. There is one who keeps you. Look to him. When you do, you can have hope because he never gets tired of his watchfulness and his love for you.
This is the, this is the reminder that uh, in, in our panic and in our fear and in our confusion and in those places where you feel helpless, to stop and pray. Did you ever find, I don't know, I don't know about you, when I, when I find that when I start to panic, when I get really anxious about something, uh, I'm, I'm a Christian pastor. I've known Jesus for a long time. Uh, I usually don't pray right away. It's usually not the first thing I think of. I, I start to deal with the problem. I start to work the situation. I start to try to dig myself out of the hole. This is the reminder that if, if our hope is in God, we need to stop and look to him to pray. And, and then the second thing is the reminder that when our, when our friends are going through something really hard, when we're experiencing within our community, and I, and I know you guys have people on your minds when I say this, people who you know who are going through a season right now of helplessness. It's the same thing. Our temptation is to try to find a way to solve it or to distract them from it. They don't need it to be solved, and they don't need to be distracted. They need to be pointed to their hope. They need to be pointed to their resting place. They need to, they need to be pointed to that unending, never-ending fount of love and mercy and peace and joy. It's Jesus, the Lord, who's their keeper. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you for keeping us, for keeping us safe, for keeping us from sin and death, for keeping your eyes on us, for keeping us, uh, like the Bible says, under your wing, like a mother hen guarding her chicks, like a shepherd who's keeping watch over his flock, like a gardener who's watching and keeping his garden. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us in our helplessness to look to you and to find hope. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you guys can stand. We'll sing one more song. <laughs>